Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. This show is brought to you in partnership with the Witherslack Group, experts in special education and care. Enjoy the podcast. Good evening, everybody. I hope you can hear me. It's Tuesday. It's The Late Show and you're here with me, Lucy Newberger. We're back again. And in a short while, I'll be bringing on Hattie to chat to me, who's already in there. She's also host of Chronicles of a PGC podcast, which I'm sure she will tell you briefly about in a little while. But before we get into all that, you know me. I like to do a bit of a weekly recap to tell you everything that I've been up to in the teaching world, everything that's been going on, give you a few laughs and just, I don't know, I suppose, make you feel better about your own teaching, if you like. Now, the the funniest story I have to tell you this week um, is the moment I was humbled by a, a girl I actually tutor. I used to teach her at school and she's now in year six. And I tutor her for maths on a on a Monday, a large part of which is spent listening to Disney songs as well. But don't tell anybody. It seems to help. It seems to work. But let me tell you something. As we were heading out the door to uh, for her to be picked up because I tutor her at school, we were sort of chatting away and she's asking me kind of, oh, you know, miss, how old are you? And I said, oh, you know, I'm 33. And she said, oh, OK, I think you need a lover sorry pardon I think you need a lover miss Uh, okay Uh, I mean what what on earth you say to that when that comes from an 11 year old I'm not quite sure but uh, if you have uh, what you would say to an 11 year old there then please be my guest I think I just looked at her in in absolute horror as if to say uh, okay then and quickly sort of rushed her out the door Luckily, she's a student I have a very, very good relationship with. But yes, there's nothing more humbling than an 11 year old telling you that you need a partner. So there you go. So that was uh, that was a moment that has stuck with me and probably will stick with me for a very, very long time. Also interesting. Uh, What else? Um, I've just recovered from a hideous bout of gastroenteritis. It seems that every single and I seem to say this a lot, but every single illness imaginable is going around schools at the moment things that seem to have been dug up from times gone by as well i know that flu a has gone around my school avian flu gastroenteritis has done the rounds and the charming little trip hazard in year one i've got threadworm or is it pinworm or something like that so i mean honestly it is a hotbed of disgusting where i am and i really don't know what to do apart from maybe walk around in a giant hamster ball but it seems as though as though as soon as the masks came off that all hell has has broken loose I think we knew though that this winter was going to be a bit dodgy in terms of of illness but this this I think takes the cake this year I mean I seem to have had everything uh since June I've had what have I had let's let's reel off a fun list of things shall we I've had uh, since June, I've had shingles, COVID for the second time and gastroenteritis. And that's between June and November. And I never used to be this person. I never used to get, I mean, anything. I used to have maybe a cold a year. And since, I don't know, I think it is since maybe the masks came off, my body's just gone to pieces. And it's really quite sad. So 
I've actually gone on a bit of a, when I say a health kick, I don't mean anything dramatic. Like I haven't cut anything out of my life. You know, there's still the the, the old, old glass of wine at the weekend uh, and chocolate and carbs are definitely not going anywhere. So Charlie Burley, if you listen back to this, I'm still keeping all those things. Uh, those of you who know Charlie Burley, he is the, the teacher's health coach. But I think he would encourage, you know, everything in moderation, in, including moderation. So that's what we're going for. But just a lot more fruit and veg and just trying to keep keep that immunity, keep that keep that resistance up which can be tricky, particularly when certainly as the evenings are getting colder, all you want to do is is curl up in a heap and, well, drink wine and eat chocolate, really, and watch terrible things on Netflix. And that's the other thing I've got to stop doing. My um, my Netflix viewing, certainly in the winter, it just gets out of hand. And as I was starting to think about, because my mum invariably will ask me soon what I want for, for Christmas. And she asked me this every year and every year for the, at least the last decade, she has had the same answer, which is a chocolate orange and to be left in peace. Thank you very much, because I'm not a lover of Christmas. I know, I know, I feel, I feel the scowling coming at me and I've said it before and I will say it again and I'm sure I'll end up doing a show about Christmas at some point where I won't drag it through the mud I won't I won't do that but uh I think it's because as teachers Christmas has started for us now really hasn't it particularly if you are in primary school it begins now uh I know that in my school they're rehearsing the little fir tree uh down in the younger years and they are trying to turn the uh hall into a magical forest at the moment, whether they succeed or not remains to be seen. Um, mostly the Christmas tree hasn't turned up yet, so I feel like that's that's not so bad. But song rehearsals will begin in earnest soon for our Christmas bazaar, and I'm not a lover of Christmas songs either, so I feel like that, uh, that hearing those on and off for the next however long is not going to be particularly joyful. But I'm going to get into the spirit. I think you have to, I think when they're kids around, you have to get into the spirit of Christmas. Otherwise, you're just a miserable old fart, really, aren't you? So I'm going to, for the kids, I'm going to get stuck in and I'm going to get excited. Anyway, that's enough of life's goings on. I feel like we should get stuck into this evening's show. So before I bring Hattie on to sort of chat with me and share her own stories about her own PGCE and about kind of things that have gone on and try to help out some of the uh, other well, some of the ECTs and some of the PGCE or ITT students that are out there at the moment, I thought I would sort of share with you sort of some of my my own stories really or some of my own research as well. So I trained seven years ago now. Yeah, seven years ago. And it was a, a journey, shall we say. I, I came to teaching a little bit later. So I only trained when I was, I say I only trained, I trained when I was 26. And one of the biggest things actually that sticks with me and something that's still a, a peeve and I know came up in another show this week. I think it was actually Mr. Mr. P talking to uh, Tom Rogers about grammar teaching and about how how it's completely lost the plot and how, you know, how can we as adults expect kids to do this when we can't even use them correctly ourselves? And when Michael Gove can't even use them correctly himself because we was talking about when he was education minister. Uh, so one of my fondest, I suppose, memories of my PGCE is learning what a fronted adverbial was at the age of 26. And by that point, I'd been through uni once, as we all have when we, if we do teacher training as a postgrad. And I had a master's and I'd never looked at an essay I'd written or a thesis or anything like that and thought, 
do you know what? That would really sing with a fronted adverbial. And I'm sure none of you have ever looked at any writing you've done, be it blog posts or, or books or whatever, uh, and thought the same thing. But uh, hey-ho. So that's one of my stories. I'm sure many more will come up as we go through. But also to those of you listening, if you have questions or worries, because I want this to be I want this show to be lighthearted, but I also want it to be helpful to those out there who are well and truly stuck into their teacher training or their ECT year at this point, because I find that certainly the. October, so the post half term to Christmas push to me is the worst part of any teaching year. It's cold, it's dark, the illnesses are flying, it's tiring. And I feel like from January onwards, you can kind of get stuck in and, and get involved. So uh, I'm here and Hattie's here and I hope that more people are going to join us as well. We've currently got uh, Miss MM in as well. We've got uh, Natalie and we've got Ivana in. So hopefully... Please tweet us about the show and hopefully uh, some ECTs or some people who are teacher training will join us. But if not, we are, Hattie and I are still going to, to chat away and to share our thoughts and maybe some tips about getting through the next few weeks and anything else that we feel might be beneficial to anyone going through their teacher training right now. So, Hattie, are you there? Hi, I'm here. It's lovely. I should also say I'm actually welcoming Hattie on. I've done Hattie's podcast, and so it's very nice to have her on my radio show this evening. This has been a long time coming, I feel, Hattie. It has. It has. Thank you for having me on, though. I'm very relieved to, that, that, that you were able to, to make it. But just to, to those who are listening in and to those who may listen back to this, could you please just give a quick introduction with as much or as little detail as you like as to who you are and where you're at in your teaching career at the moment? Yeah, of course. Uh, hi, I'm Hattie. Um, I am a business studies teacher. So um, I worked at a secondary school last year, but now I'm in further education. Um, I am in my second year of teaching, so I'm a second year ECT. Um, all very complicated with my QTS status, but I'm sure we'll get onto that at some point. Um I also host the Chronicles of the PGC podcast, which uh, started as a bit of a reflection of my own PGC, but has kind of taken on a life of its own ever since. And Lucy, I've got to say, I've got no idea what a frontal adverbial is. Fronted adverbial is an adverbial you can use at the beginning of a sentence. And there are several different types as well. Um, there's adverbials of time, manner, place. I think position is one. I can't even... Do you know what? Hattie, the worst thing is, is that I can't even remember half of them. And to confess, and to any uh, ECTs or um, those of you who are teacher training at the moment who are listening to this thinking, oh my goodness me, I don't remember doing any of this grammar at school. I have no idea how I'm going to retain this all. I still look it up before I teach it most of the time. So it's okay. All right. And I'm fairly sure, particularly when you get to year five and year six, that most of those teachers are looking it up as well, unless they've been doing it for a very, very long time. And anyone who says they don't is probably telling you a bit of a fib. Although I'm not going to shame any teachers. There's some people who can probably retain it and probably remember it better than I can. But I'm going to hold my hands up and say I am that person who will look it up prior to a lesson. Most teachers do. I still look at the formulas for 
uh, my business lessons and a lot of theory I still have to look up so that's still a thing even at secondary and further education as well even though I'm a subject specialist no go ahead no that was all I was gonna say but I'm you know we're meant to be subject specialists but there's things you don't learn during your degree and at school yourself that you now have to teach Oh, most most definitely, or things that you just have not done for a long, long time. And I think, and I don't know if you found this, Hattie, when you did your PGCE, but I found mine was quite certainly uh, at university because I did PGCE. It was quite curriculum heavy. There was a lot of emphasis on a lot of your vast majority of your lectures were centered around curriculum. And I found that quite overwhelming particularly as some of them, particularly the English and maths ones, were three hours long. Wow. Yeah. And uh, and most, yeah, and most days of the week. And so you, there's no way you're going to retain all that. No. And um, to be honest, my PGCE, I did do a PGCE, but I did a skip PGCE. So I did the two combined. So basically I was based on placement throughout the whole thing. But, um, I had lectures delivered at my placement. Uh, so, ah, okay. Yeah, every Monday and Tuesday in the morning and afternoon, um, we'd have teachers from the college where I was training delivering lectures. So it was a very unique PGC. I don't think it exists in many places, but it was accredited by a university. So it is a PGC, but it's a skit at the same time. And I was training with trainees all from completely different um, disciplines. So I trained with free law trainees, a politics, a art, a media, an English and a sport. So, yeah, so there wasn't really much actually based around my subject and my curriculum, but I did a lot of that with my mentor. So, yeah, it was Mm. very different. I mean, I think we, I mean we'll touch on mentors in a minute because I know that's a that's a, a big thing, and I and I'm sure you've got some stories to tell uh, as as have I. But uh, just interestingly, I mean, uh, you I don't know if you know this, Hattie, but this this show tends to go down a bit of a research rabbit hole, uh, usually courtesy of my kind of deep dive into the internet and I tend to come up with all kinds of weird and wonderful stuff but uh, I actually was looking at the um, ITT core content framework which by the way is riveting reading should you need some bedtime reading but I'm sure you've got better things to do with your time Um, (laughs) and interestingly curriculum uh, is the third only the third area so they talk about kind of eight sections to ensure congruence with uh, teacher standards Mm. But they only list curriculum as, as number three, which I thought was was quite interesting. But above that, I suppose, in order to deliver curriculum effectively, you've got to have, well, knowledge of pedagogy. Uh, some some For some people, that's their pet peeve word. And behaviour management are, put, are both placed above curriculum, which I thought was uh, quite, quite interesting. That, I, yeah, I, can kind of, I think I can kind of see the logic yeah. there, but you can have the best behaved class in the world and you can have all the pedagogical ideas, but if you don't know the subject, you're going to struggle. For sure. And I think, I mean, there are still, I mean, there's always areas for development in teaching. And this is another thing that I would say to, to teachers who are early on in their career, 
we we all it, that is what this profession is we are constantly developing we are constantly there's constantly areas for improvement you constantly need to be doing cpd which is a whole other conversation that we've had before and we will undoubtedly have again because there's lots of ranting and raving attached attached to that it's availability lack of it it's effectiveness yada yada but uh there are always and particularly with curriculum knowledge and i mean whether you are secondary or whether you are primary and of course in primary we have that difficulty of multiple subjects and trying to keep on top of as many 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 different things but I've said it before, I will say it again. Look it up, have stuff nearby, use use your use your colleagues, use helpful resources. I have definitely had to um I was that person who really struggled with with maths in school and it's now my favorite thing to teach, but it has taken me probably up until now to really be a confident maths teacher by practicing and by actually doing it uh alongside with them and often uh, I used to do uh, sort of little mini when I when I had to do assessments with my class. I used to do it with them because, and I treat it as kind of a bit of a thing. They'd, they'd almost try to treat it as a bit of a laugh. They're saying, "Go, go on, go on, Miss. You know, can can you can you do as as well as as well as us?" And you know, sometimes they 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 did beat me on it. But I think that's quite. It also shows a, a human side to you as well. Totally, um, I do that as well. Um, so. You know, because you've always got to have the answers if you're going to give them questions. But mm-hmm. I do those, the tasks that I'm setting myself, because one, it'll stop me in terms of setting questions that they can't do, making sure that it's actually accessible. But two, it keeps my subject knowledge up to date. So I had, um, I teach a class which is um, a group of students that haven't achieved the GCSEs that they need to get onto level three courses. So they're all retaking GCSEs. So um, the course I teach is a level two course. And I was teaching a concept called break even today. And I looked at a question and thought, hang on, they're not going to be able to do that because I'm looking at that and I can't do that. So then I realised that was in my own planning that I had to go back and quickly change something. Now, luckily, I've really got my class on side, so I could have a bit of a joke. I was like, oh, guys, hang on, this isn't right. Let me change this. But it really, really worked that I needed to do that beforehand. So it's definitely something worthwhile having a look at and making sure that you can do that as well. And I've often done the thing as well, where I've actually, um, certainly with problem solving in in maths, where in my head, I kind of, I know the answer, but trying to articulate it in a way that a 10-year-old is going to understand. And I'll often say to them, do you know what, I'm going to go and look at what White Rose, which is a math scheme we follow, have said. Um, and they're quite used to me do- me doing that, because I've said, you know, I need to train you to be able to answer these questions in the way that, you know, that the scheme wants you to so let's see what they've said and let's model our answers around that and I don't think there's any shame in doing that either and I think a lot of the time again early career teachers think oh gosh you know got to be perfect got to kind of know it all got to be no you don't no totally agree with you and to be honest my class is quite like it when I sometimes make a mistake because as you said it shows that I'm a human and it also sets the classroom environment that Joe, you know what mistakes are okay 
because I say it to my classes at the beginning of every year, I don't care if you get it wrong, I just want you to try. Mm. So if I'm making a mistake, it sets that tone of, obviously I'm not going to make them all the time and make them on purpose, but that's no. the tone that, ah, okay, she made a mistake, so it's safe for me to make a mistake too. Yeah, and I think that so much of, of early career teaching is is like that. And it's there, I think a lot of people outside of the profession expect us to kind of pop out as a finished product and even to an extent sometimes within the profession. But what I have taken over the last sort of seven, seven years, although it feels like twice that amount of time, is that actually, do you know what? You have got to perfection it that it doesn't exist in this profession and as and the sooner you make peace with that the the happier time you will have yes totally completely and and i think that that would almost probably be one of my overarching messages to to early career teachers is that striving for that perfection just don't put your energy into that put your energy into you know going lesson by lesson each day learning from it allowing those mistakes to happen and you know going along with it and actually you'll find a lot of the time that I I mean in my experience certainly kids respond really well yeah yeah completely and uh, so in my college they call us by our first name because they're sixth formers um one of them put the hand up and went hey it's all right you're allowed to make a mistake it's okay it's cool we'll forgive you <laughs> um it built That's lovely I know, I know. And this is a student who I've been trying to build that relationship with. And it's, it just really solidified things today, actually. Oh, that's lovely. And I think that, you know, if they're prepared to forgive you, then you need to forgive yourself. Totally. Completely. Oh, fantastic. Well, I think I think that's positive And I think that that's, uh, that's really good. And so hopefully that the uh, the ECTs and the and the PGC students listening to this or the ITT students listening to this will will take that on board and understand that actually you know we're not just saying this for the sake of saying it we're saying it because actually we have both lived this ourselves at various points and you know it's don't 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 be like me and wait seven years to to accept and acknowledge that you can't keep it all in your head <laughs> yeah no don't it's not possible. Right. I also want to talk to you because you mentioned this already, talking about mentorship. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you, you've got uh, some stories to tell. Now, mentorship, I know, can be very hit and miss. And it's it's a kind of a case, particularly in that in that training school, it's kind of a case of, of, of who you get, really, and you have to, to work alongside them. And I think it's difficult to kind of reconcile the fact that you're trying to learn but you're also in someone's space that they've kind of curated for their class, for them, and you're sort of an interloper almost. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? (laughs) It is a a weird thing. And I think that, I mean, I I found my my in-school mentor, I sort of, unfortunately, she was, I mean, not unfortunately that she was older than me, but she she was older than me. She was sort of, I think, thinking about uh, leaving the profession as, as well. And I just, it wasn't, the dynamic wasn't what I'd necessarily hoped for. But then I kind of, in a way, and it sounds terrible, but 
go with me on it. She yeah. ended up being quite unwell for sort of the second half of of the of the autumn term. So I was pretty much left on my own for about I think it was about three weeks in the end, two or three weeks. And in a way, it was fantastic because I had to step up because that class was mine in that time. I had I had the teaching assistant in there. I was very fortunate that in that class there was a full time TA. But it meant that I just had to crack on and do. Yeah. So that was a, a very steep learning curve in that respect and still very early on in, in my placement. So in a slightly morbid way, she did me a favour, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was, I've got to be honest, I was so lucky with my mentor and I've still got a really good relationship with her now because I train, I, I teach now where I trained um, and in the same departments. So I'm not teaching her subject anymore because uh, she does a level um but I still have a really good relationship with her and I think I was very lucky that we're very much on the same wavelength um she's not that much older than me but she loves her job she completely loves her job and she's just genuinely really supportive however um I've know a lot of PhD students that um, we're doing it at the same time as me, not necessarily at the same placement, but that we're doing it at the same time as me that were not so lucky and had really either bad relationships with their mentors or their mentor just wasn't very much present. So as you say, I think it is very hit and miss with who you get. But I've got to say, I was so incredibly lucky with my mentor. I mean, I think it's it's a difficult one because... There is the sort of, on the one hand, if I was, if I was in the position now with, with that mentor, the sort of the advice I would give was be, find a way to make it work, take on board what they have to say. They might not be your favorite person in the world if it's just a little bit sticky, if it's kind of, because ultimately they're your mentor for a reason. And okay, this is temporary. And actually, if you make a good account of yourself, which is what should have been going through my head. But I think at the time I was a bit sort of, oh, she doesn't like me. And I found I found that as a result, my my training time at that school was quite difficult. But it's very easy to look look back in hindsight. So I think I would say, you know, if it's if it's workable, then you just have to almost kind of take on board what they say. But also it doesn't stop you going to other people seeking advice. It doesn't stop you uh, going and observing other classes. It doesn't stop you uh, asking for help in, in other places. So please don't feel that if your mentor is not necessarily your your chosen touchstone, that's not the end of the world. But then I suppose the difficulty is if you are advising at what point do you, if a, is, a, is a mentor really not okay? Is a mentor really the wrong person? At what point do you have to flag it? And I'm not sure what I what I would say to that because it hasn't happened to me. I I don't I don't know, but I suppose it would be, you know, if they really are just, you know, not being helpful at all or they're not giving you the time to teach that they need to or they're not providing you with that feedback, then maybe that is the point where you have to speak to someone at your university. And of course, they don't want to be presented with a problem. Of course, they don't, you know, they, they've got a lot of a lot of students to think about. But at the same time, I would say to people, do not suffer in silence if you really are finding that your relationship with your mentor is not 
in any way helping you progress either through your ECT year or through your teacher training. And I don't know if you have anything to, to add to that, Hattie. Yeah, and like at the end of the day, your university want you to succeed. So they're not out to get you. And I know sometimes it might feel like that, but genuinely they really want you to succeed. So if it is, and even if it's just that you feel that they're perhaps being really overcritical or something's overstepped the line, just speak, honestly, speak to your personal tutor or even the head of department. Make sure you're doing it in a professional manner. So don't don't just go in and go, I hate this person, they are awful. But go in with reason saying, this is why I think this is defect- affecting my development. And there's nothing really anyone can say to that because your it's your development, it's your training, it's your PGCE. And most of the people here, and I hate to turn higher education into a commodity, but at the end of the day, you are paying to train and it is your career. So I mean, I think that's fair enough because yeah. you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... You do need to, if something's not working, just say something. Because it happened on my PGC where somebody did say, um, I need a change of mentor. And it was actually through nobody's fault. It just, I think somebody was off sick or something like that for an extended amount of time. And they their mentor changed. And it came out for the best. So you do need to speak out if something's not working. Mm. I mean, you've actually reminded me of uh, uh, when you say, you know, act professionally and kind of have a have an adult conversation. Don't do what I did, which is we um, at I trained at Canterbury Christchurch and we had these people called link tutors. They were kind of your liaison between university and between the school. And you never really particularly saw them, but they turn up periodically to check whether you were kind of ticking off all the things that you have to tick off whether you taught PE whether you'd done this done that whether you'd observed this observed that whatever and I hadn't seen mine for a particular period of time and so we had a meeting and we were sort of talking through various things and I was told I think it was something to do with phonics I was told that I could um pass my sort of phonics element by teaching by doing small group teaching and so that's what I had planned to do but my link tutor came and said no 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 you have to actually go and teach a proper class a proper year one or uh, EYFS class and I vehemently disagreed with this and I absolutely and I think there was there was a lot of things at play here obviously the stress of the PGC I can't remember what time of year it was but uh, certainly I was sort of well entrenched at this point and uh I was going back and forth back and forth back and forth and in the end I stood up and said this meeting is over and I walked out now I do not advise this don't do this don't be like Lucy because mercifully my personal tutor at university someone who I still respect to this day so if you ever listen to this hi Andy Bloor who is now I think doing um He's doing part of the teacher training program, I think, at Derby University. I think he's over there now. But uh, I got an email from him, I think, about a day later saying, um, Lucy, is there anything you want to tell me about your meeting with your link tutor? And I said, 
maybe. And uh, so, so he uh, he summoned me in and sat me down, and I told him what I did very honestly because we had a very good relationship. And she, I mean, he, I deserve to be treated like a naughty child. And he sort of sat me down. And he said, "Do you think that was the right thing to do, Lucy?" And I said, "No." So what are you going to do next? Apologize. Yes, yes, you are. Go and apologize. So I did and everything was fine. And it was certainly not my finest moment. But it's also, I think, uh, a lesson to to those around you. Do try and not. PGCs are emotional. They are tough in so many ways. Teacher training, whichever way you're doing it, even if you're you know, doing B.Ed. as well, it is tough. And I am a very outwardly emotional person. But don't walk out of meetings with professional people it, it's it's not a good look <laughs> no, and if it is getting to the point because there were definitely times on my pgc where i was locked in a room crying um but i had a really good relationship with my personal tutor um who kind of opened this i was very lucky they opened the space to make sure that if we were feeling a bit crap we could go and be honest with her. And there were absolutely times I sat there and cried to her about not just my teacher training, but things going on in my life. And it really helped in terms of the fact that I had somebody to talk to that was a little bit of a critical friend, but I could off-steam a little bit with, but still in that environment and knew exactly what I was going through. So if you can find somebody that you can talk to and just be a bit human with during your PGCE it is really important. So definitely try to. I, I heartily agree with that. And I think you have to remember, and I think it's something that maybe those of us who've been in it for a bit longer, is that that was them once. They had to do this too. They went through this too. And I think that it's important to, to remember that and to remember that actually, you know, at some point they too will have been that person snivelling in a cupboard or crying into the steering wheel or wailing into the ice cream sitting on your sofa at home. We have all been there. And no, it ain't pretty. But I think that, you know, these these people who sign up to be mentors and there are many, many, many good ones out there. There are many that are not so good. But they have all been you at some point and maybe in some way that does help you kind of think okay you know if they if they can get this far then so can I yeah no completely and uh, everyone had to train everyone had to train one way or another even if it was 40 years ago and I was talking to um, one of the more experienced teachers in my department who's um you know her sons are at university. She's got um, her oldest son is a year younger than me. She's been teaching for about 25, 30 years now. And she still has her PGC folder at home. Like she knows exactly where her PGC folder is. So, you know, it really does show that everyone does remember their PGCE or their teacher training or however they train. So, you know, Everyone was there. And it just reminds you of that. Oh, most definitely. Do you know where your folder is, Hattie? Yeah, it's on my, it's on my bookshelf. I've got three. 
I was going to say, I think I've got the minor uh, in in the garage uh, at my parents' house, actually. And every so often, I get a um, a message from my mum being like, "Are you ever going to get rid of this stuff?" And there is a part of me that thinks, "Do I still need it?" But there's also part of me that knows the blood, sweat, and tears that went into the stuff that's in those yes. folders. Yeah, no, that folders never go in. <laughs> I don't care if I if I leave teaching or whatever. That folder is staying on my bookshelf. Going to be buried with it. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I carried those three folders across Manchester every day for a year. Oh my gosh! I mean, I yeah. I mean, I goodness knows. I'd lo- I'd love to see what's in some of mine. Um, and actually, interestingly, you just reminded me of another conversation I had with someone uh, who, uh, Lawrence, who's a friend of a friend of TTR, who's actually going through his primary PGC at the moment. He sadly couldn't make it in to chat to us this evening, but I know he's here in spirit. Yeah. He um, was fussing about um, the making of worksheets and the use of things like Twinkle, Classroom Secrets. And I don't know, that's probably less of a less of a thing for, for you in higher education. But what are your thoughts on kind of uh, pre-made worksheets and, and early careers teachers using things like that? See, I'm in two minds because half of me thinks, you know, you need to learn how to plan. And I was really lucky that last year, there were resources there for me to use, but I was very much expected to take those resources and make them my own completely and create my own activities and my own worksheets from that. And it's still that's still kind of the case where I am now. I mean, all our lessons are completely planned for us. Um, but again, you know, you've got to make it your own. So... Mm-hmm. My opinion really is you can use use what's there, absolutely, because, you know, that's a great model there for you of how to do things. So we talk about modelling and scaffolding to our students, but at the end of the day, that's how we all learn, a lot of us. So that's a great way to learn what worksheets and activities should be like and could be like for your classes and those activities. But only you know your class and only you know your style so take them but make them your own and adapt them especially if you've got students with extra needs in your class where you might need to change things up a bit Mm -hmm. make things bigger use certain vocabularies etc i mean i think yes i think i think that's fair enough i think now, I mean, I get very ranty about a lot of things in teaching Hattie, and I need to be mindful of this because I suppose it's part and parcel. Because as you say, I do fully appreciate, and as PGC students, as teacher training students, as ECTs, that learning to plan. And yes, it is a lot of detail. And hopefully you are in a school where actually you can adapt something that already exists, as you say, you can you can utilise you know, they hopefully they they actually save previous years plannings, and you're not having to reinvent the wheel. Uh, and there will be those fossilized teachers who will say to you, "Well, in my day, none of this existed. None of these kind of websites like Twinkle existed. So you should be doing everything from scratch." But the reality is, as well, is that these things do exist. Yeah, and they exist, and they exist for a reason. However, would I use one thing like Twinkle, like Classroom Secrets, like all of these things? Would I use them as gospel on their own? You know, 
just in its entirety. No, I wouldn't. And I think that is where, as you say correctly, you're making it your own, you're adapting it, you're piecing things together. That is the mark, I think, in a way of a, of a, of a good teacher. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I uh, hate using somebody else's planning because I look at it and think, what's that? I mean, when I've seen um, some of the other PowerPoints that are already planned for me, I'm thinking of it and looking at it going, well, what do they want me to do with that? So I almost have to go, for my own confidence, go and adapt things. And now mm. the course I was talking about, the Level 2 course, this is actually the first time we've ever delivered this. So we we are completely planning it from scratch. And this particular course, not a lot of people actually do this course. So we've had to set up like the networks for teachers who are on this course because I think OCR are trying to phase it out a little bit. But we're having to create all of that from scratch. And that has taken us so much time and so much effort and we're all having to work out what on earth uh, they actually want us to do with it and to meet the exam criteria. So if there is those resources there, use them because we're finding out now how difficult it is when there are no resources. Almost oh, definitely. And I know uh, Hannah, who's in the space, has been um, helping create course materials and things fairly recently. So she will be all too well aware of, of the energy that, that goes into that uh, as well. But it's I mean, creating any kind of, of planning is is difficult. And, you know, making sure that you're including the correct curriculum points, making sure that you're, as you say, understanding how to utilize a teaching assistant if you if you have one. It is a lot. But I almost sort of say to to uh, teach to people who are teacher training and people who are early careers teachers is that it's a bit like, you know, learning to drive to pass your driving test. It's kind of you you will go through all this and whether I agree with it or not, it's kind of neither here nor there. But it will put you in a mindset so that when you come back to do it again, it's there or you know how to do it or you can take what you've got and all you have to do is adapt it slightly to to that new class to that new setting so it's what is initially an awful lot of work actually can end up being incredibly helpful down the line yeah completely and I've just been teaching um cash flow to actually all of my classes even though they're on different courses and I've been able to go to my year 10 lesson from last year just take that lesson and adapt it slightly and that took me all of 10 minutes to do uh, for all four of my classes so I've the loads of planning I did last year for that lesson has saved me so much time this year so it does help it does and of course you know um, particularly in primary you move around year groups and things like that and it might be that you end up taking a job that's not in that in the class that you trained with or in in the similar age group necessarily but i think all the more reason again as you as you say has to cling on to those those folders because there may come a point yeah. even down the line a bit and okay what you did five years ago might might need a bit of a bit of tweaking a bit of adapting but you'll open that folder you'll probably even remember whereabouts in the folder the the thing is that you need and you'll be like i can use that yes yeah it's almost a tearful moment, isn't it? Where you're like, I've done this already. 
Yeah, I did it last year because we also had an electronic folder. We didn't just have the physical one. We had a Google Drive folder too. Um, and I've managed, I've put it all on my current work Google Drive and it saves me so much time. Oh, that's brilliant. And I would also say, and this is probably a bit cheeky, but a piece of advice, if you can, before you leave your training school, either mine some of the stuff that's on there or, you know, transfer it, as you say, to a, to a Google folder within reason. Don't be silly about it. Some of the stuff that, you know, they don't mind you using or that you can take forward, do it. Do it, oh, do it, do it. Most places encourage you to do that now. Uh, one of the teachers uh, in my department, in my teacher training, just came up to her and went, Hattie, where's your memory stick? Gave her my memory stick. She came back and went, so I filled up that memory stick and here's another memory stick. These are all the resources I had saved on my computer. Oh, bless her. What a star. I know, and a lot of teachers do that. She wasn't the only teacher to do that to me. And when I left my school last year... My head of department sat me down and went, by the way, I've created a Google Drive with every single resource we've got as a department. <laughs> so I wanna I wanna meet these people. Honestly, they're gems. But a lot of a lot of places do, do that. They want as long as you've, you know, given some stuff to them, given them some ideas and resources, you know. That's what I like about teachers. We share things. We want each other to be good and to do as well as we can we're a very supportive group of people mostly yes i agree and i think again you know most teachers will will not be will not be precious about these things and good mentors will also sort of say you know hey here's you know here's some stuff to to kind of help you out a, a bit certainly if i was going to go into any kind of mentorship role i would do everything in my power i think maybe because my experience was less positive but even you know it doesn't have to be for that reason but to to make anyone's job that little bit easier now of course you don't you, you're not there to do it for them but in no. the same vein anything that kind of just is that extra boost and also don't be afraid to ask as well i mean obviously don't say give me your planning but yeah. do go to these mentors and things and say oh, even can i have a look can i have a look and also teachers are you know i don't want to kind of sort of sell us sell us out but we you know it is there is a little bit of ego in this profession and if you go to teach some teachers and say you know oh can i see this they'll be like oh they want to see my stuff fabulous yes <laughs> yeah completely and any and i think anyone who says otherwise is is your lying to yourself everyone loves a bit of flattery particularly teachers and if they get a chance to kind of wax lyrical about something they love be it a subject or be it a particular piece of planning that they've done they will do it yeah, it's like when you're asked to share something in CPD or as we call it CPT, everyone's well up there. Like, yes, this is what I've done and this is why you should do it too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's, you know, I, I certainly am I'm, I'm all for, for sharing. And uh, actually one of my regrets uh, from my PGC is not making better use of sort of downloading some stuff or asking for some stuff. And also, if you don't ask, you don't get. You know, I think if someone says no to you, then they are a miserable so-and-so. But I should think 99% of the time, someone will take you under their wing and say, yeah, you know, here's where this is, or I can show you this, or uh, use my, you know, borrow my login for this website, because there are so many blooming websites now. I mean, I, my, <laughs> my partner teacher in year five actually has to keep written down uh, in her notebook all of the logins for various things. Um, God forbid she ever loses that, that notebook. Oh. Um, 
So I don't know if you're that person, Hattie. Well, we've, I don't know. With business, we're very much, there's one website and one website only. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, you know, maybe the, maybe there's um, something in it for you to, a side hustle in there for you, Hattie. You never know. Maybe. I am an ECT, so I'm quite busy at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the other thing, speaking about sort of ECTs and things like that, I know, I mean, I don't, well, I, as far as I'm aware, PGCEs still come with master's credits. Do you feel pressure to use yours? I have already got a master's. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so I don't uh, feel the pressure to use mine. No, I don't, because I went, I got, um, I started my PGC having done a master's yeah. um, so student finance says no to me <laughs> <laughs> sorry because I, 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 I can imagine that uh, yeah at this point they'd say no to me as well yeah yeah are they are they would let me do a, P, a PhD if I wanted to though oh joy I know but I can't use my master's credits for that no no, sadly not. I mean, the thing is, because I know that I see often a lot of tweets about, um, oh, did you use your master's credits? Should I use my master's credits? Should, you know, and I kind of think, hang on a minute. You've got a postgrad, you know, certificate for, for, for teaching. That is pretty, that is something that should be pretty much. I mean, you pretty much crank out a master's in nine months doing your PGCE. Let's be honest. Um, I know it's not the same thing and you don't get the same kudos for it, but you should um that's uh one of my many mini rants that i'm sure will happen over the course of this evening but um no i didn't i didn't feel pressure to use my much of the same reason as you but i also think that early careers teachers should take the pressure off themselves in that respect yes you get those master's credits and i do think it's naughty that they only give you three years to use them but of course you can't hang on to them indefinitely but back pocket them i would say and if you find the opportunity to use them great if not, you've got plenty to be getting on with. Yeah, and to be honest, um, I don't know about you, but I found that schools actually really don't care. No. As long as you've got your PGCE and you've got your um, your bachelor's, a lot of students, a lot of schools, sorry, don't really care what qualifications you're coming in with. It's more about what you can give to the school and what you can give to your role. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. And if you do want to, to flex your, your research muscles sort of later on or when you have the time to, there are, there's lots of reading you can do. There's lots of things you can get involved with. You can even become a host on Teachers Talk Radio like me, which is, and that can involve going down all kinds of weird and wonderful research rabbit holes where you can find out things that you never needed to know, but somehow find out anyway. Um, and uh, I certainly done a show uh, very recently, I think it was my last show, where I talked about access to research and actually things like Charter College are getting um, much more sort of teed up and g'd up to give teachers access to these things, maybe teachers who don't want to do a master's but still want to do academic reading. So that certainly is something that I'm very much getting behind. And then there's all kinds of things that... Um, I know Tom Rogers uh, has uh, set up Teach Me Icons where uh, lots of teachers go and give uh, talks about different things. And that's essentially like free CPD uh, as well that a lot of people attend um, as well and things like that. Or at least online is free. I think in, in person there might be charges. I can't remember. 
can't quite remember. I'm sure Tom will correct me as an, at a later point. But um, there's all kinds of things like that. There's research ed as well. There's all kinds of things that down the line you can get involved in as a teacher that doesn't necessarily involve having more letters after your name. So, yeah, I think that that's all right as well. But also I would say that, you know, certainly in the early stages of, of, of my career, I didn't sort of, I just wanted what was keeping my head above water. It's only really now kind of seven years in, that I've started getting more involved in, in research and, and things like that. And again, there, there is time. You don't have to do it all at once. No. And like last year, a lot of schools do have this. There's um, an opportunity for me to get involved in research. So we had a research group um, at our school, which is where it was like a TLA development group. But it was actually towards our vulnerable pupils. So um, we went, we met every half term for an hour on a Monday after school. And we just spoke about research to do with a particular thing that we could do in lessons to help benefit our vulnerable pupils. You know, there was no requirements for that. There was no interview or anything like that. It was just a really casual chat where we spoke about some research, some reading that we'd all done and said this is how I've implemented it into the classroom and you don't even have to do anything formal to include more research into the classroom you can just literally go onto the internet do some research on some pedagogy or a new strategy and this is why I love teacher twitter because people are sharing articles all the time or even an app like teacher tap where they have that little research snippet every day it's just something quick and easy to do and you don't have to do anything formal for that that can just be you doing something that you're interested in oh most definitely and you know there are we are awash with books as well and there are many many fantastic people certainly who've been on teachers talk radio uh, i know we had doug lamov on recently who's written extensively about a variety of things lots of people who i mean pretty much if you can dream it up there is a there is a book written about it in this profession i've found to the point where if ever i were to write a book not that i intend to anytime soon because i haven't got the attention span <laughs> but i think they i think it's all pretty much been i feel like it's all been been covered and there are some fantastic ones out there and again i think that utilizing something like twitter for example where it comes into its own and where it's very positive is when you see ects and um those who are teacher training reaching out and saying what books do you recommend and again because teachers love being asked things oh i could recommend this 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 oh have you seen this it's a wash with stuff really is it really really is and uh on that on that note certainly advising um sort of in terms of use of Twitter and things like that. So sort of what are your, your feelings in, in terms of um, ECTs and um, PGC students making, making use of that? Is it something you would encourage? Um, I think it really helped me, if I'm being totally honest. Um, when I set up my, because um, I've got an actual Twitter account, but when I set up my teacher Twitter account, I only followed business teachers And I followed lots of heads of department and all of that. And it really helped me come up with ideas for teaching or just to even ask a question. It helped my subject knowledge with people sharing stories around what's going on in the business world. I remember um, teaching a lesson last year um, 
is um, something to do with Kaizen production, which is a concept they do in A-level business. And somebody, um, mainly from Tutor to You, but somebody shared on Twitter how they um, make toast in lesson to help teach this concept. And this will forever be the best lesson that I've ever taught. It was the lesson I am absolutely most proud of, but it really got the students engaged. And if you ask any of those students about Kays and Production now, a year later, I can absolutely guarantee they'll be able to tell you about Kays and Production. And that was just an idea I got off Twitter. Now, teach Twitter, I tend to find there's a lot of arguments, there's a lot of nuance. Um, I remember there was an argument yesterday, uh, the other day, actually, where they were saying that if you don't hold QTS, you can't call yourself a teacher. What? Um, oh, I well, know. It all started into this big thing. And then they were saying, if you are no longer a classroom teacher, you can't call yourself a teacher. And it was all this nonsense. Oh, I so it was saw like, this. Yeah, it really wasn't this deep. Um, and now I, I don't hold QTS because of how I trained, but I am still a teacher. And there's loads of little arguments like that. And I'd say, definitely, if you're training, if you're an ECT, there's no need to get involved in that. I like Teacher Twitter for the lovely articles people share and for the great ideas people share about how I can teach complicated concepts. That's what I use it for. And um, just don't get involved in all the silliness of it. I, I don't think there's anything for me to add to that, Hattie. I think you summed it up beautifully. And I would wholeheartedly agree. And actually, again, I sort of wasn't really involved in Twitter when I teacher trained. And I wish I, I wish I had been. I think it would have been a really, really positive thing, certainly from the from the lesson ideas and, and things like that. But I absolutely echo your your sentiments about not getting involved in the nonsense. And there's different nonsense every week we've had. I yeah. don't know if you saw um, Pengate. Oh, you know, you shouldn't if children oh, don't come to class with a pen. Oh, and Whiteboard Gate, did you see that? I think I remember Whiteboard Gate. Oh, gosh, Whiteboard Gate, do you use them, do you not use them? And then, yeah, being able to call yourself a teacher, oh, my God, I couldn't even, but I honestly, I was, I found it galling that that even came up, to be honest. Uh, There was, like, this whole thing about Ofsted the other week. I was like, listen, (laughs) actually, (laughs) what, can we all stop stressing about Ofsted? Okay. Can you stop talking about Ofsted? Because we're waiting for Ofsted. <laughs> oh, stop saying Ofsted. I know. <laughs> but honestly, like, Twitter could be a great place. Like, I set up on my actual teacher Twitter account. Uh, not Just to say, there's a really good show on um, Teacher Sort Radio from last night about Ofsted, for, so check it out. Uh, business teachers in the UK, and it was fantastic. And it's a really great resource, and it's a lovely place to share ideas. And also, if you're going through a bit of a tough day, it's really nice because people will share really positive sentiments with you and remind you that, you know, you're not a bad person if you've had a bad lesson, especially if you're an ECT. You are not a bad person. You are just learning. Um, but there is some silliness. Just don't get involved in it. Try to stay on the positive side of teacher Twitter and your life will be okay. 
I absolutely agree. And Rogers, just so you know, we weren't ignoring you then. I did hear you. Uh, what he was saying, Hattie, because I think you were you were just mid mid flow there. He uh, just nipped in to say that actually was it yesterday, I believe. Um, Rogers did a two parter show. First part was with the lovely Mr. P, who we all love and adore, and yeah. the second part was actually talking about the dreaded Ostad, uh, but in a very sort of uh, interesting light in terms of you know is it fit for purpose uh, going forward you know do do they need to change is it them that's the problem so it's as and when or maybe you're not in the mood for it at the moment but maybe one to to, to look back on um, and and see what you think because it was a it was very interesting chatter all around there I've actually just got a notification from um, Apple Podcast saying the new Mr P episode has come up uh, what for Teachers Talk Radio or his his podcast? His podcast. Ah, uh, okay. Then this this was a show he he very kindly came on with with us yesterday. But uh, yes, I uh, I always get the notifications for his new podcast as well. And I think they did they talked about Whiteboard Gate recently as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they also about adverbials. Oh gosh, honestly, it's going to haunt me for the rest of my life. My mum tells it as a running joke. She dines out on that story, and I'm sure, uh, you know, people are not interested in the fact that you know she she likes going around asking people because she thinks it's hysterical. <laughs> she's like, do you know what a fronted adverbial is? She's like, she'll go and meet new neighbours. Do you know what a fronted adverbial is? I'm like, mum, people don't care. She's like, yes, but I now know what it is thanks to you. I'm like, mum, <laughs> all right, but have you, you know, but what what are you writing that needs a in front of the like, oh no, nothing. But I just think it's quite funny to be able to kind of sound sound clever. All right, <laughs> all, all, all right, mum. All right, we'll let you have that one. Enjoy, just as you were. Right, Hattie. I, in a moment, am going to ask you my next thing about uh, well-being and about ECT and um, PGC student well-being. So I'm going to give you a moment to think about that. While I do that, I'm just going to share one of our sponsors with everybody. You can also have a sip of tea as well, because uh, I'm sure you need to uh, make sure your your voice is in check. So I'm going to share one of our lovely sponsors with you all, which is the Witherslack Group. And they are a leading provider of specialist education and care. They need people like you to help them achieve even more. And at Witherslack, you'll be given all the resources you need to, uh, and offered a clear path of career progression and rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. And Witherslack do currently have some great opportunities available if you look at their website, along with a whole host of other things, including uh, a, a webinar that's coming up as well, which I think I believe is posted in the space at the top there, so you can see all of that. And for further information on all of this, you can go to www.withaslackgroup.co.uk. So for the jobs and things like that, it's forward slash careers. But if you go onto the website, you can be guided around to all the other things as well, including lots of wonderful webinars and pieces of information that are very, very useful indeed. So once Hattie rejoins us in a moment, I'm hoping she has gone for a sip of tea, then I'm going to ask her because, and I know this comes up time and time again, and we talk about it a lot in all aspects of teaching, but particularly for this half term where coughs, colds, and if you're year one at my school, uh, uh, threadworm and flu A and all that jazz is going around school, and as well as all that, you know, you're you're trying to plan and teach lessons. Well-being advice, Hattie, and I'm sure you've got loads. So hit me with it in terms of just keeping yourself going, keeping yourself 
with it in the sort of closing kind of 20 well I don't know if it'll take us 20 minutes but let's see how far we go talk to me about your advice in in that sphere in that realm um become very good friends with your local chemist (laughs) I think my I think I'm on first name terms with my one here yeah, so am I, honestly. Um, so our department's split into two. So we have um, A-level business and we have vocational business. Now, I'm in vocational business. This half term, every single person in vocational business has had tonsillitis, uh, flu, um, that sinus thing, sinusitis. We've all been so, so sick. A-level business, despite the fact we're all in the same office, no one has been sick at all. It's been ridiculous. But um, we've all been really ill. And generally, the one thing I'd really say in terms of well-being is learn how to say no. Learn when to take a day off. I had really bad tonsillitis and I turned up to work and every single person sent me home. And it did me the world of good. I know that teaching is really intense. And we have our um, subject exam in January. So for us, time is even more of the essence. But learn how to take a day off. Taking one day off is not the worst thing in the world. Just learn how to look after yourself. Because at the end of the day, you cannot teach if you are not well. Um, that's in terms of physical well-being but um, I've just this term really learned how to prioritise my own health so I've been going, making sure I've been going to the gym I've been trying to make sure I sleep and at the end of the day yes we've got loads of things to do but tomorrow there's still going to be loads of things to do no matter how much you get done today so you can leave something till the next day. You can. It's not going to be life or death if you don't do something right this very minute. So make sure that you are sleeping. Do something you enjoy. And actually eat. Like, I remember... Oh, during, yeah, it's a good one. It is. During my PGCE, um, I think it was in September, I forgot to eat one day. I got back to my flat and I almost collapsed because I hadn't ate. And I was so ill the next day because I hadn't ate the day before. Even if it's just making sure that you sit down and have an apple or something like that. Now, I've started doing HelloFresh. And this is not an ad for HelloFresh. So um, please don't kill me. Um, other, but, food, other food boxes are available. Other food go. boxes are available. Um But I've started doing HelloFresh and it's actually saved me so much time because, one, I don't have to think about what I'm eating. Two, I don't have to plan it. Three, I don't have to actually go to the shop. But now I'm actually eating, like, and I'm eating proper meals. And it's kind of been a bit of a lifesaver as well. And I live alone, so I get the two portions, but then I save that next portion for lunch the next day. Oh, fabulous. I know, I'm making sure I'm having a proper meal as well. It's got loads of uh, vegetables in it and it's got all the good stuff in it. So eat, sleep, take a day off, 
look after yourself and really try to connect with your family and friends. They might not be teachers, they might not get it, but like last night, I went to my dad and I just ranted and I cried and I felt so much better this morning. So speak to the people around you as well. Oh, most definitely. I'm going to add to your food thing and say breakfast because that is the one that I used to skip. And what changed my life, and I've changed um, actually a Twitter teacher friend of mine, um, I also changed his life by introducing him to this. And it might not be the thing for you, but basically protein shakes and i will share my recipe with you it's basically your protein powder of choice half a frozen banana your milk of choice and then any additions you like like raspberries chia seeds whatever whatever you want to fancy you whizzy do dar that up and you take it to work with you or neck it before you go to work either way either works um and it just sets you up because I would love to be the person who remembers to put overnight oats in the fridge. I would love to be the person who takes, I don't know, a lovely pre-made healthy muffin that I've made. But I'm not that person. I know myself well enough by now. But I also know that I am, I suffer from hanger. And uh, <laughs> my best friend tells me this regularly. Um, and hanger when you're confronted with a room full of children is, again, not a good look. So you need something in your belly first thing in the morning. And coffee is not a food group, people. No, it's not. One thing that everyone in my office seems to do is we have breakfast stuffs at work in terms of we don't make it like at home and bring it to work. We just have like, a box of cereal in the cupboard or um, somebody the person next to me has a bag of potato cakes in her drawer or um you do <laughs> yeah or the person next to me has a loaf of bread on her desk and we just make it at work and it sounds silly like I've got a box of cereal a bowl and a spoon in my drawer and then I have my oat milk in the fridge and when I get into work, I just make my cereal because it's something I don't have to think about in the morning at home. But when I get into work, I can just do it. Yeah, fantastic. And I think that is so important. And obviously, some schools give you school lunch, others don't. But I think your your HelloFresh idea is great. Or um, making dinner the night before, making making double. I mean, I'm currently working my way through a batch of a massive batch of lentil bolognese. I'm hoping this is the last day today because I'm thoroughly sick of it at this point. But it is very, very, very good. But big batch things like that as well are are great. And those of you who've been listening to me for uh, a while will know that I am a massive foodie and that I talk about food way too much. And honestly, if I could do a show each week about food and or somehow talk about food. I used to do a what's for dinner feature, which I maybe need to bring back where I used to ask people what they're having for dinner. And Hattie, I might actually ask you this evening before before you go to tell me. Or you can tell me now. Um, I had, uh, so they, uh, I had a lentil and roasted vegetable jumble. So I had like lentils, uh, sweet potato, aubergine, onion, all uh, in some harissa. Um, Sounds which- delightful. are you all right yeah yeah as i say that sounds delightful carry on tell me more that was it that was it oh that was was it fabulous and is and the rest is for lunch tomorrow yeah so i made it twice so the rest is for lunch tomorrow fantastic sounds good to me and uh 
Um, as always, you know, if you if you need recipe ideas for those of you PGC ECT, or if you want ever want that protein shake recipe, I am happy to to share it to share it with you. Not that it's anything particularly complicated, but it has definitely been. And actually, having breakfast turned out to be a game changer for me because trying to last until break time and then hammering down, you know, about eight digestives, it just just is not a winner. No. No, but also going back to the thing you said about uh, sort of well-being kind of in, in terms of mind. So we talked about sort of body, um, talked about being on first name terms with your chemist. Absolutely agree with that. Um, in terms of the mind, I, again, I echo the things you say in that in terms of, well, body and mind, taking taking a day off when you need to. I've talked about teacher martyrdom in the past. Nip the martyrdom in the bud early. OK, yes, because you're not you're not doing them any favors. You're not doing. And also. Why lug yourself all the way in to then get sent home? That's just a pain in the bum as well. It is, it is. And trust me, it was. Like, I tried to, I thought I could make it through the day, got to work, threw up and went home. I didn't even last <laughs> 20 not funny. No, honestly, my um, colleague drove me in and then the same colleague went, go home. Oh, no. I, I mean, I, I am a huge hypocrite and lots of teachers are with this because I can recall a time last year. And I think I've told the story before where two of the year three teachers uh, knew I wasn't particularly well one day. And I was sort of curled up in my chair trying to teach one of them who actually had taught year five before. So knew that it was it was her planning that I was uh, that I was uh, had adapted and was teaching from. So she said, right, where have you got to in Kensuke's Kingdom or wherever it was? And she just picked up where I left off. The other teacher marched me downstairs and said, right, go home. Uh, so we, we have been there, but I would also say I, sh- I should have gone home and I hold my hands up and I should have done, and I am getting much better at just going, particularly when I had, obviously when I had the stomach bug, I mean, there was no way that I could have, could have gone in. I mean, you can't go to work with a stomach bug with the greatest will in the world and you're not meant to because it, they yeah. usually are quite contagious. So yeah. you've got to, yeah, you've got to just accept it. And it's, it's, you know, we aren't, we aren't invincible. Things will get us and that, and that's okay. Um, and yeah, just make sure you've got a very good pharmacist and doctor on standby. Um, and often when you go to the doctor and tell them you're a teacher, they just give you a look and say, I understand. Honestly, <laughs> the, amount, the amount of times I've had that look. I went to the dentist a couple of months ago because um, I'm having a problem with my wisdom tooth. And she looked at me and went, are you stressed a lot? And I went, uh, yeah, why? And she's like, do you grimace your face a lot? Because that's what's actually causing the issue with your tooth. Like, what do you do as a job? And I went, I'm a teacher. She went, ah, right. Okay. Um, so we might have to just take that out then instead. <laughs> Again, I should laugh. But it's just, honestly, the reactions you get. Oh, I know. Very I know. funny indeed. Uh, on, yeah, I've definitely had the, the, the withering look from the doctor. Actually, when I finally dragged myself to the doctor with this stomach bug i was also confronted he also happened to be impossibly good looking which of course when you are at your most rank yeah you are confronted with an impossibly good looking doctor i also had my leggings on backwards but only discovered that when i got home (laughs) so he must have thought i was complete and then when i said to him you know i work i work with children he was like "Uh uh-huh right he's like yeah you're about the eighth person i've seen today i'm like okay yeah Gastric flu or whatever it was. Oh, disgusting. And he prescribed me a laundry list of uh, tablets and off I went. So, uh, yes, good doctors. And uh, much the same reaction from the pharmacist when she handed it all over to me. She was like, 
And I actually, I did go into the pharmacist in a mask because I, I felt so bad. I was just like, I'm really sorry. <sighs> oh, terrible times. But no, going back to the, um, about the mind as well, again, echoing everything you say, you've got to, you've got to make time for yourself. And again, I'm a huge hypocrite with this because I have still got all the books that, well, no, I say all the books, a lot of the books that I got last Christmas and for my birthday that I have not read and I keep meaning to but it doesn't have to be reading it can just be watching that rubbish on Netflix and I know I've said that I need to stop frying my brain but actually sometimes it's okay to fry your brain totally and the mantra I've taken and people may completely disagree with this but I do not work at the weekend I don't do it I don't get paid for the weekend and at the end of the day, if I work at the weekend, by Monday, I'm just going to be ill and I'm just going to be sad. And why do that to myself? Like, this weekend, on Saturday, I went shopping with my mum and my nana. Then I'll admit, on Saturday night, um, I went to my friend, uh, to my friends, to my cousin's 18th birthday party. She is a student at the college that I work at. So I did see a student, but she is my cousin. Um, and then on Sunday, I went to yoga with my mum and I didn't work. And on Monday, I felt so much better. Mm. I mean, I think the, the work, the work life balance is a, is a difficult thing, but, uh, it, you know, it can be, you know, I mean, I find it because I don't work at weekends either. And it's, I mean, I think at least initially in teacher training, it's 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 difficult difficult to do, Thanks but so. but again, maybe I would almost sort of say, okay, well, you know, at least have one day, at least have, or at least have, you know, Saturday and you know the kind of the rest of Sunday, maybe just work Sunday morning or just work Saturday morning because you've got to be disciplined with yourself for not working as well. Mm. Yeah, and I think. During my PGCE, what I did was I gave myself Saturday morning that I worked and then the rest of Saturday and Sunday I didn't because I would have got ill otherwise. Mm. Um, and I did a little bit of that last year. So if I needed to work, I worked on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Um, so, But I was very disciplined that I started that work at one o'clock and then I said, at six o'clock, I am not doing any more work. If it needs to be done, I can do it on Monday. Um, there are occasions where you do need to work. So I know we're coming up into our mock week and I may need to do a little bit of work at the weekend, but I need to also prioritise myself. Yeah, no, fant- I think I think you're you're absolutely right, and it's it's so it is hard to do, and it's very easy for us who are down the line a bit to sort of say, you know, do this, do that, and hand out the advice. But I I hope that people listening back to this and people who uh, have listened in this evening have taken it in the manner in which it's intended, in that you know we we've, we've lived this ourselves, and for you know it's almost kind of for what it's worth. Here's kind of you know the the sort of uh, the pearls of wisdom that we've kind of picked up or the things that you know we I don't think we've said anything particularly groundbreaking Hattie I don't know how, no. you, how you feel but it's all things that I think are definitely worth reiterating and it's worth hearing again because I do wish that I'd had sort of 
that in my year when I was when I was teacher training as well because it's it it is worth reminding uh, people and even worth reminding ourselves because I think even though I'm I'm still I'm I'm seven years down the line at this point so I think I'm a bit further along than than you are but mm. it we still need to kind of some of the things I've said out loud this evening I sort of thought actually you're a bit of a hypocrite because you need to remind yourself that you need to do these things too and you need to actually take a step back and you need to prioritize and I think actually there is nothing more sort of grounding than getting quite sick as 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 you well know to be like okay yeah maybe I need to do things a little bit differently yeah and at the end of the day teaching's a job it is a job it's not who you are Yes, some people conceive teaching as a lifestyle and I can absolutely 100% get why that is. But this is your job. It is not you as a person. So remember that you existed as a person before you became a teacher and you will, because there will be one day where you are no longer a teacher, whether that's through a career change or through retirement. So you will exist after being a teacher as well. Mm -hmm. So make sure you're also looking after yourself. Most definitely. And you're a teacher until you decide you're not a teacher, not until some somebody on Twitter decides you're not. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Just remember that. Well, all that remains for me to say, Hattie, is thank you so, so much for joining me this evening. I have truly appreciated you coming on and being with me. And I hope we do get to do this again at some point because it has been an absolute joy. And I'm so glad that I finally got to return the privilege because obviously I've been on yours and now you've been on mine. So uh, hopefully we can we can definitely chat again. Yes, no, thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely. Thank you. And please go and enjoy the rest of your evening. And uh, yeah, chat soon. Thank you. (laughs) So that was the lovely Hattie from Chronicles of a PGCE. And you can listen to some of her shows, including the one that I did with her via, I believe, via Spotify. Uh, I'm sure Hattie will correct me if I'm wrong there. Yes. Um, yes. All the links are on my bio. Fantastic. Brilliant. Thank you for that, Hattie. And and before I go, just a quick reminder of a few things as well. Um, If you have enjoyed this evening's show and you think you would like to be a host and think you can do something like this then we are looking for hosts you will see in the top of the space there is uh, the tweet that has been posted and please dm the ttr account if you are interested the teachers talk radio account just drop an email address in saying hey i'm interested can you send me an information pack and we will do that for you honestly over the last year and a bit i've had so much fun doing this job i have loved hosting i do other bits and pieces as well i uh, admin for other shows and honestly teachers talk radio has taken me in lots of different directions i've met so many people i get to chat to brilliant people like hattie on a near on weekly basis so i can't sing its praises enough so if you're sitting there thinking do you know what i'd like to give that a crack then please do let us know and we would love to speak to you so that is the first thing the other thing is just a reminder of our sponsor who are the witherslack group who have lots of lovely career opportunities for you uh, as well please just go to their website which is www let me just make sure i get this right uh with a slack group.co.uk and if it's the careers part you are interested in slash careers if not just go and have a look on the website as well for lots of lovely webinars and information about lots of different things lots of different things uh to do with uh schooling learning all manner of things and it's well worth a look particularly well worth look seeing when it, when or if you can join those free webinars and 
they are fantastic. So I thoroughly encourage that as well. Um, whew, I have talked a lot. I mean, I always talk a lot during these shows, but it has been absolutely fantastic. I think that it has been great to uh, relive the the PGC, the teacher training journey and the early careers journey with Hattie. We've had very different experiences, but I think what the common theme is, is that a lot of the advice and a lot of the, the things that we're suggesting are, are very similar and do absolutely uh, sort of ring true, regardless of whether you're secondary, whether you're in further education, whether you're uh, a primary teacher and whether you're early in career or for a... Uh, bleh, whether you are early in your career, can't even speak anymore at this point, early in your career or even further along in your career. So please do uh, look after yourselves. Please do take care. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.